This is Brand and New from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. Welcome to Brand and New. I am Audrey Deve. It is well known and studied that intellectual property has become the lifeblood of most markets and companies over the last decades, with the generalization of the knowledge economy, the all-encompassing digital transformation, and generally the increased dependence of businesses on intangible assets. IP has taken a critical place in the way businesses make decisions to develop a new product, to launch a new brand, while international groups and large companies often have resources handy to address IP issues, whether in staff, time, or cash, it is much less the case for small and medium businesses who are often late in factoring in these considerations. However, spin-offs, small startups, and other SMEs increasingly depend on large firms or companies as suppliers or customers for venture finance, for knowledge and product development, and for opening new markets, which actually makes it even more critical for them to know how IP works so that they can better protect their own and defend their rights throughout that development, but also to make sure they don't base part of their development on IP assets they are not fully free to use. Our two guests today share their respective experiences on SMEs navigating IP issues in an ever-innovating world, both from the business owner side and from the IP console side. Our first guest is Alexandre Kwaranski, the founder of FAIR, which is a leading fair trade liquor brand founded over 12 years ago and built on a mission to support small farmers in developing economies. And prior to this, Alexandre co-founded another startup that he successfully sold. A true entrepreneur at heart. Alexandre is also a partner with We Like Startup, which is a startup incubator and a platform of resources for innovative companies. Our second guest is Annick Perrault. Annick is an attorney specializing in IP, partner with Paris-based law firm Abinicio. Her expertise focuses on trademark law, distinctive signs, brands, copyrights, domain names, and unfair competition. She advises clients across a broad spectrum of sectors and is FAIR's IP counsel. Alexandre, Annick, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Audrey. Audrey, thank you for being uh, so welcoming. So Alexandre, while you are an entrepreneur, you have a strong background as a sales executive and solid experience in brand development and implementation. Are you, thanks to this experience, more sensitive to intellectual property issues that small businesses may face? With our experience building a brand uh, from scratch, I guess we are now more sensitive to IP issues. We tend to underestimate them at first because it's too expensive, you know, the I'll do it later thing. But sometimes also overestimate them. In the US, for example, uh, a trademark is worth nothing if your products are not actually sold in the market itself. So there is for sure a learning curve. And in our case, we basically learned by doing And how did that awareness translate into your entrepreneurial journey with FAIR from inception up to today to launch and develop a new brand with a very distinct identity? As the first brand committed to the fair trade movement, our brand was built on that mission, as you said earlier. We truly wanted to be called FAIR. 
So FAIR being a common name, we had to set up a, a strategy to create a trademark as strong as possible together with the help of an IP firm. That was difficult. It took time, it took money to come up with a plan so the brand could be really protected in depth. We have spent uh, an average of maybe 40,000 euros a year over the past 12 years of existence to make sure that the brand is well uh, protected. So that is quite some money, that is quite some investment to make sure that your brand is strong and in the end, valuable. In such an amount of money, Alexandre, uh, how would you spread it? You know, sometimes we had to fight companies who wanted to trademark the same, the same name in various places. So, so that's, that would depend from one year to another. Annick, you have been advising small and medium-sized companies in acquiring, enhancing and defending their IP for over 35 years. However, uh, IP considerations do not often make it to the priority list of business owners when establishing and developing a new company. Based on your experience, could you share some examples showing how critical is IP protection for, for small businesses? Well, first of all, it's very pleasant to hear what uh, Alexander said on IP because, uh, you know, we spent some time discussing about the importance and the difficulties he may face with, uh, with FAIRS. Based on my experience, if you want to develop a business, if you have your trademark, you develop your marketing, your communication, and then you see someone else in the same of a very close trademark in the same field of business. This is a challenge. You have to face Uh, it, it would be the same if you develop your business and someone considers that you're in fridge, their own trademarks, their own IP assets. You have to rebuild your brand to start again. So it's common sense to deal with IP. It takes a lot of time and a lot of money to overcome obstacles. And uh, time is money and money is so important when you develop your business. So it's once again very important to uh, think about IP at the very beginning of, uh, of your project. It's always say that I chose ab initio, which is a Latin expression, which means from the beginning, because you have to deal with IP matters from the very beginning of any project. And do you have maybe some examples, or maybe you could give us your perspective regarding the, the protection of the trademark fair? Fair it was a, a difficult term to uh, to protect because of its meaning. You know, the first quality of a brand, of a trademark, is to be distinctive. And fair is the core of the business, just to make sure that it's a fair product. Is it really distinctive? How to, to, to make it distinctive, as he said? It was tricky, but we finally made it to make sure that uh, the identity of this brand is protected. When you see someone using the word fair, is it descriptive? Is it fair that this company uses fair? Is it in the same field of activity does this company or this entrepreneur using fair just to take benefits from the identity of the fair brand of Alexandre? Okay, and is there maybe another example you, you would like to share? Uh, perhaps you have heard about the back market for refurbished products. They are very, very successful And they uh, develop the business now all over the world in many countries. And the trademark is really attractive and so attractive that domain names have been, uh, for some of them, reserved by frauders. This is another example, not only on trademarks, but also on domain names, which are now so important for business. 
Alexandre, Fair is a pretty innovative brand with the composition of the products. Who knew you can make vodka out of quinoa? And uh, the edgy graphic branding image and its CSR strategy, uh, the fair trade business model, actually. What concrete steps are you taking on a regular basis to protect your brands? Sure. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, yeah, we can make vodka out of quinoa and it is good too. Yeah, to answer your question, I think the first concrete step is to make sure that we can um, block you know, any intent of trademarks similar to FAIR in the alcohol space and in the key markets where we sell the products. So that's something we're working on a daily basis with, uh, with Anik. It is not easy, but uh, with time, you know, it's been uh, almost 12 years now, I think we've blocked so many intents that the, the brand is really getting stronger, especially in Western Europe and in the U.S., which is very, very good for the brand. Thank you, Annick. Uh, the <laughs> second concrete step, I think, is to maybe you know, meet on a quarterly basis with your IP lawyer to make sure that uh, you are in line with your strategy to protect the brand. Because this is not only a day-to-day -day thing, it is also a strategy that we set up with Annick and that we review all to make sure that the brand is as strong as it can be. Let's go back. When did you decide to reach out uh, to outside consultants, so namely Anik? And what was the trigger for that? Right from the beginning of the adventure, we knew that the main asset of the business would be the brand itself. We don't, uh, you know, I was not born in Cognac. We don't own anything. We don't, uh, we don't have a distillery. We don't, uh, we don't own a distribution company. So the only value uh, of our company, the, the, the value is the brand itself. So as a consequence, we had to look for a specialist who could advise us on the matter right at the beginning of the adventure. Basically asked around uh, some friends, industry friends, targeted uh, Anik, probably one of the best of the IP lawyers uh, in Europe. That's, that's the way it happened. And I can tell you, we've been very blessed to be advised by Anik. Thank you so much, Alexandre. It's so kind of you. Alexandre, were there other kinds of support that helped you, such as incubators? To be honest with you, Audrey, on the trademark uh, topic itself, we really owe the, the full strategy to Anik. We had no advice, no valuable advice that came from other companies or incubators. So we really relied uh, fully on uh, Anik's uh, expertise. How would you uh, define the relationship Uh, you develop with your clients who are entrepreneurs? You know, definitely it's a partnership, a very close collaboration. You have to listen to your client and to the entrepreneur to, to, as to become part of the team. Uh, when an entrepreneur uh, set up a business, develop it, his idea or her idea, then you have to first understand the need to work, to make it uh, happen, to share your views as an expert, And then you share your views as a fan, because when you become part of the team, then you want to know more about the business, about the development. And for FAIR, it's uh, what happens. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, And innovation. 
most companies, as soon as they are developing their brand or even operating a website, should have IP in mind when entering into contracts. What practical and actionable advice, Annick, could you give SMEs owners when it comes to negotiating agreements with partners, with clients or even employees in order to make sure they don't jeopardize their IP by mere negligence or ignorance? In other words, would you have any key do's and don'ts uh, to share with our listeners? You first have to identify the IP assets. What is the core part of your business? What is so important that you want to make sure that it is yours? You, you can borrow it, you can give licenses, you can share it, but you have to decide what you do and for what reason you do that. So in any contract, You have to make sure when you develop something in collaboration with someone just to make sure that the final results would be yours. Or if it has to be shared, what will be your part and what will be the other company's part? To make it clear, to anticipate the future relationship. Uh, just to make sure, when you speak about the, the distributors or clients, you have to make sure that they will use your trademark. They will speak about your trademarks as you wish. So you have to clarify the conditions of use of your trademarks. When you, for instance, work with a communication agency, advertising agency, then just to make sure that the, the creations they make for you will become yours, you will not face any difficulties. Do they have the copyrights? Can they guarantee the originality of what they create for you? It's always a question of uh, common sense and what is necessary to the business. And the IP um, council should clarify the situation to make the entrepreneur understand what is necessary to the business. Alexandra, what challenges did you meet in raising startup capital and how did you overcome them? And uh, how have fair's intangible assets, such as the trademark, the design of the bottles, played out in your relationships with investors, with banks, or business angels? Sure. So when we, we started the business uh, in 2009, we had, the, obviously, the passion. Uh, we had the vision of what we wanted to achieve, being, uh, you know, the first line of fair trade certified spirits. This has always been the same. This is our reason for existence. And we had the energy. But to be honest with you, uh, we had absolutely no idea of what we were doing in terms of raising funds. I was 28 years old. I uh, had absolutely no experience in that field. So I think the first step was to accept and to be honest and to, to realize that we didn't know how to do it. So to overcome that challenge of not knowing uh, where to start, we, we basically went through middlemen. So we had one middleman who basically was introducing us to, to business angels and family offices and, and, and small funds. Uh, so we accepted right away to give a percentage of the fund we would raise to that middleman. And that middleman would also be in charge of uh, helping us uh, shape the business plan because you know, from our little PowerPoint and our idea to creating and setting up a real business plan, there was a big gap. And acceptance of not knowing was really the key to overcome those first uh, fundraisings. So we, we made it thanks to that person. Do, do you feel that your trademark, the IP in general you owned, played a role in your relationship with these business angels, these uh, family offices and so on? 
Sure. The Fair brand is a, is a pretty powerful brand because it is uh, so simple. You know, anyone anywhere in the world can understand what uh, Fair means. So it is complicated to trademark, but once the brand hits the, the shelves or the back bars, people see it and understand what we are all about. So the power of this brand was really the, the reason why we were able to raise funds because people could right away see the potential and the reason to be of that brand. This is a marketing point, but on a, a financial standpoint, I think we got also good advice from our business lawyer who right away advised us to have that fair brand owned by one single company and have all the investors, whether they're, they would be you know, business angels or family offices or funds, invest all in that company, that company would uh, own the brand. This way, investors would feel that they own part of the brand itself. So to come back to your earlier question, the, the brand was critical to be able to raise funds because all the value is in the brand and investors uh, had the feeling that they would own part of that brand by investing in that single company who owned the brand. What about uh, your CSR policy and the fair trade approach to sourcing your products in the, the fundraising? Is there any impact? Uh, I think there was an impact. I, I think the biggest impact is really the brand name. Because people were really wondering how, how it would be possible to trademark such a, a simple and meaningful name. The sourcing and the brand story was important, but I would say not as important as the brand itself. You know, at the, at the time in 2009, uh, CSR, you know, sustainability was not at all as important as it is today. So at the time, it, it was really an opportunity to differentiate uh, our, our offer to investors If we had started the business, uh, let's say, two years ago, I think it would have been a lot more difficult because everyone is now sustainable or, I would say, claiming to be sustainable. So, Alexandre, if you had to relieve these entrepreneurial experiences, what would you do differently, particularly in terms of IP or branding management? I think if we had the opportunity to go back in time, There is uh, only one thing I would not do that we did. I would probably be very careful not to give away any right on the brand to any of our customers. Uh, so in our case, in the spirits industry, to our importers. Because a, a few years back, wh while entering the U.S. market, we had uh, not enough money to, to attack the U.S. market, which uh, requires a lot of uh, funding. My idea was to find an importer and make a deal on the brand itself because it was our only asset. So we made a deal and uh, basically conceded part of the rights of the brand for the U.S. market to that importer, which was a good way to motivate that customer. But in the end, that customer was not selling anything. <laughs> so we had to buy back the contract and buy back the rights we had given that guy. And that, that became a problem. So if um, in a perfect world where we could uh, go back in time, I would uh, never do that. I think that was the biggest mistake. We probably lost, uh, I would say, four years of business out of the 12 uh, with that bad decision. But, it, but it's okay, you know. That's, we will not make that uh, mistake anymore. 
Wow, it was so terrible to see the differences between the business in the US, in uh, Western Europe, and to to see all the difficulties you faced because of that. This is really uh, an example I give to other clients who may consider sharing the uh, ownership of the brand. When you uh, share the ownership of a brand, namely on uh, a geographical basis or possibly on the business basis, for instance, perfume on one side, and uh, fashion clothing on the other side, it's always difficult to uh, keep the, the same line, development line, the, the same unity uh, for the brand. So uh, I do remember the, the website of your partner in the US, how different it was from, from yours. Now I have a few rapid fire questions for you. The first one is the most understated legal challenge SMEs are facing right now, in your view? Maybe Alexandre? Yeah, so there to raise funds in the US uh, while having a brand owned by a French company. So th this is a long topic that we cannot address today, but I think that's, that's a big challenge. And I think there is a link between the capacity of raising funds, raising capital, and uh, the location of, of the company owning the trademark. The most admired entrepreneur? An admired entrepreneur is actually my grandfather, uh, who's, who's from uh, Versailles in France. Uh, he had a small ball company, very small, and he was, uh, you know, very, very much involved in the local community. He was taking good care of his employees, good care of his family. So, I guess that's, that's a model for me because it's a combination of, uh, you know, hard hard work and good values. And people, you know, I, I admire especially people who are humble and who are uh, free minds. Uh, what I mean by free minds is people who don't care about any type of status, whether it be uh, money, studies, appearance. So people who are really free. And I guess my vision of an entrepreneur is someone who's truly free, who doesn't care about what people think. Mm, nice. Uh, Anik, a, a word that would summarize the last year and the one you expect for this year. Um, for last year, actually, I have two. I would first, stupefaction. It was so uh, surprising. It's a very weak word for that. And uh, the, the earth is a small word. And uh, it, was, uh, it was clear that what happened confirmed that uh, earth is a small word. And another word would be uh, flexibility, because this situation made us more flexible and uh, human beings are adaptable. And for 2001, I will use transformation. It's, it's everybody used the world of tomorrow, the expression the world of tomorrow. And it's clear that we are in a complicated period of uh, transformation. But it's also really interesting because it's a revealing period on oneself, on the importance of humanity, on friendship, on family. What is the main importance to people now? And the last book you read and would recommend? It's a book written many years ago by Elaine Caddy, God Spoke to Me, uh, written in 1967, so it's not a recent one. It's a book of inspire, inspire meditation for every day. So it's how to apply uh, spiritual values in daily life. So it helps to, uh, to see life differently and to uh, overcome many obstacles. Thank you very much, Alexandre. Thank you very much, Annick.
Thank you very much, Audrey, and uh, hope to see you soon in real. Thank you. So my guests today were Alexandre Kwaronski, the founder of FAIR, and Annick Perrault, partner with Paris-based law firm Adlinicio. Thank you for listening to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www.inta.org.